0: Vaporwave News Network, Episode 6. Hello and welcome to Vaporwave News Network, a bi-weekly podcast about the contemporary vaporwave scene. We feature news, discussion, and current trends as well as reporting on upcoming releases and events in the Vaporwave, Future Funk, and adjacent communities. I'm your host, Alex, aka Trucks Passing Trucks. I run Pacific Plaza Records in addition to DJing and booking events over my past six years of being involved in the Vaporwave community. Welcome to Vaporwave News Network. It's episode six, covering the first half of July 2023, over 10 years since the birth of this genre and scene. I'm going to talk about a bunch of things that have been happening in our vapor world. But before we get to that, let me remind you of some podcasty things. You can follow the podcast on social media at VW News Network. We're currently on Instagram and Twitter, but may consider expanding to other platforms in the future. We also have two curated playlists over on Spotify that you can check out. The first one is Contemporary Vaporwave, which is our main playlist capturing all things Vaporwave, Future Funk, as well as the beloved subgenres like Slushwave, Barber Beats, Late Night Lo-Fi, Vapor Trap, and of course, Classic Style. We also have our Fresh Future Funk playlist, which is loaded with current tracks from the past six months and some classics and deep cuts from past eras in the scene. I added 10 new selections to both these playlists on July 21st, and I'm actually going to mention some of those releases and artists that have been added throughout the episode. So go check it out if you're looking for new Vaporwave and Future Funk a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast follow us on your platform of choice if you're checking this out on youtube remember to like and subscribe and if you can leave a rating or a review on your streaming platform of choice please do that as well for all of our spotify listeners there are polls and interactive q a questions that you can check out on the episode page i've been updating those and creating different ones and i'd like to see what people's responses are and kind of use some of these spotify for podcaster features that they're offering find as well, right Anyway, with all that out of the way, what's been going on with me? Well, as you can hear my voice, I'm in the middle of another crazy weekend of Vaporwave, Disco, and Future Funk. I'm, I'm finishing up a four-night run of shows down in San Diego with Vape Error, actually tonight while I'm recording this, and uh, it's just been so much fun. I really am privileged to get to experience this. You know, on Thursday night at The Resident in downtown LA, we had the Vape Error show with Data Girl and Enrail, which was super fun. Loved seeing everybody there. Friday night I went to a disco party up in Highland Park where they play like real 70s and early 80s disco and that's really my thing. I loved that before I even got into Future Funk so that was super cool to go to. Shouts out to my buddy Ben who introduced me to a bunch of rad people that night. Saturday was Crystal Nostalgia at High Tide in downtown LA. Super crazy one again. Super big crowd. Lots of people there having fun and it was really awesome to see Feats the Wombat do his thing. And play or see Jackson play again, who I just played with him back at uh Yoitoki in the beginning of the month. Super cool. And then like I said tonight, I'm down in San Diego with Vape Air at the whistle stop for Comic-Con Weekend. What have I been listening to? Well, I've kind of had like two things in my mind, and they're, you know, they're kinda like contrasting or maybe uh picks that complement each other. One is up tempo summer party music, and the other is a little bit more mellow and contemplative. The first is No Time to Lose, the definitive disco edition by Mr. Hustine that was remastered and reissued by Montame Records last month. I really wanted to review this one on the show, but since it's a reissue, it didn't really meet my guidelines that I'm trying to follow. So I'm going to give it a shout out here. It straddles the line between disco, French House and, of course, Future Funk. The melodies and loops are very 70s disco inspired, but the hi-fi production and phasers harken back to early 2000s French house. It's a great summer album for keeping the party thumping with that iconic four-on-the-floor beat, strong bass lines. And in contrast to that album, my second pick is a morning-after ambient album. You know, something to put on the next day when you're recovering and gently re-entering the world. And this album is called Clouds by the band Gaussian Curve. It was released in 2015 on Music for Memory. And I actually first discovered this album when it came out back in 2015, as I was kind of getting into more contemporary ambient music and had already kind of been into experimental tape labels like Lillern Tapes, Holy Page, Bridgetown Records, Crass Symbols, you know, some of those labels overlap with the early Vapor Wavers as well. Some friends and I were dabbling in ambient and improvised music, hosting like a small series of shows and jams called An Intimate Evening With. And between that... IRL activity, a lot of, like, deep listening and band camp discovery, I actually ended up at Vaporwave. You know, it's kind of wild for me to scroll back through my Bandcamp collection and see that progression. So back to this album, Gaussian Curve was apparently a supergroup, but I didn't really know much about the people behind it. What drew it to me was the music. You know, it's kind of sparse, but still very melodic for an ambient album. It's not a drone album. It's got repeating motifs and subtle, smooth solos from clean guitars, Juno synths, and the occasional horn or melodica. You know, it's all, it's very breathtaking music. It's got gentle keys, pianos, and pads that kind of set the tone. And there's some nice simple drum machines in the background for accompaniment. So I really recommend you check it out if you're looking for a mellow ambient album that's not like a drone thing or too long. It's, I think, under 40 minutes. Wrapping it up here, I'm preparing for a few shows to keep this epic summer rolling. As you heard earlier, I'm going to be down in San Diego tonight. And then on August 5th, I'm going to be playing a free gig in downtown Santa Ana for ArtWalk with Data Girl. Earthboy Advance, and the Booty Wizard. I'm also going to be DJing at some of the community events around Electronica in New York this summer, and you can catch me helping run one of the stages at Summer Slushy Fest, so stop by and say hi. Anyway, enough about what I've been doing. What's happened in the vaporwave scene in the past couple weeks? Well, we've had some live shows, but it's mostly stuff kind of getting announced. You know, we're just starting to see things kick into gear in late July, and lots of events are happening, but... Not so much for early August. There are some September things and post-econ shows starting to get announced, though, and that's really exciting, too. But in terms of things that actually did happen, on the 14th of July, there were vapor waves flowing across the nation here in the USA. Simple Syrup had their album release show in Ohio. Fiber blew away the crowd in Baltimore. And Vapor Space STL was partying in St. Louis. On the URL front, we had Helios had two days full of amazing sets, some new memes, some ARG stuff, and Min Curry gave us a little behind the scenes on his Hot Takes interview. You can go back and watch that as well. That happened earlier in the month. The big stream had Neon Vectors on for performance, and then I th- I think the next week they leaked the George Clanton album or something. I don't know. I wasn't able to watch. So if you could fill me in on anything else special that might have happened besides like the 100 Club Record drop, which was DDS's Olympics album on Double LP. If you're wondering, you know, send me a message. Let me know what happened. I'm curious. I was so busy this weekend. I did not catch the big stream. Luxury Stacks Online with DJ Non, he's getting more active and he did a fun little shorter show in addition to his kind of main show he does. So I'm always looking forward to more curation from him. It really helps me gain perspective on the scene and discover new music. Luxury Elite hosted a Neon Nights episode over on the 4th of July. Lots of artists have been dropping some special tracks through that show, so you should stop by and watch it and you know, you could take in the Luxury Elite curated visuals and here's some like really, really deep cut classics as well. It's very awesome. Back on July 14th and 15th, we also had SignalCon. It was a Signal Wave festival, and I think the uh, VODs are still up there if you want to go watch it. Lots of artists are also reposting their sets on Bandcamp and YouTube, so plenty of ways to go check out what was happening there on the podcast in mixed front we had night clerk radio with a new episode called chopping for tapes at kmart and you know like going into it, i was thinking like oh man this has been discussed so much like i'm sure they're talking about the new power pc handmade tape edition but you know i didn't expect poignant connections to be made to copyright and oswald style plunderphonics. so if you're curious what i mean about that go check out the episode Utopia District has been releasing a bunch of new podcasts, and what I really enjoyed and I'm going to feature here is one where they talk to the duo behind Midwest Aesthetic, the big festival coming up in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a really cool conversation about how they met at Econ 3, and six months later, they were already starting their own event up where they lived. Madison is a really cool college town, and it sounds like a great place to start a little scene. So, If you want some more interview content with Midwest Aesthetic, you can also check out their interview they did with Brick Mason on his Joy Noise radio show. Vapor 91.5 and Lowell is back and they did an interview with Dan Mason on July 1st if you're looking for some more interview kind of stuff going on. And then of course you might have seen Blank Banshee is continuing to tease some new material. There's stuff happening. I'm really excited. I'm curious what it's going to be like. So if you're a Blank Banshee Vapor Trap fan go find this YouTube channel. There's a YouTube channel that's been cataloging all of the different videos and now i'm gonna like pause for a second i'm gonna cut a little bit here but i gotta find this channel and shout them out for reposting all of them because that's where i've been following it okay i found it so the channel is called ven v-e-n-n and it's at is youtube.com at v-e-n-n-o-m zero u-s and he's been putting up all the blank banshee 4d automated calls so go check that out And then finally, the biggest news on the show front that just happened was My Pet Flamingo announcing that they're throwing an IRL Flamingo Fest in Los Angeles at Jewels Catch One. The same venue as Econ 2 in the Young Bay events last year, and that's going to be on November 4th, so here in Los Angeles. If you're not traveling for the holidays this year and you want to come grab some nice California sunshine, you know, like for real, our weather's really great that time of year. It's like still in the 60s, sometimes even warmer right around that time in Halloween. You should start making plans, calling off work, saving up some money. Flamingo Fest is going to be super epic. There's going to be events around the festival as well. And, you know, I'm hoping they're going to get some locals like me involved. I've heard that's going to happen. And, you know, regardless, I'll be there dancing, socializing, kicking it with all of our vapor friends. There's no lineup announced yet, but I'm sure they're going to be pulling out some big names that My Pet Flamingos released on their label over the last half a decade. I imagine they got a lot of pull with certain folks, so I'm really excited to see what they drop on us with that lineup. Next, we got upcoming shows. So in this section, I'm going to try and run through a bunch of stuff here. I might mention a little bit of old things, but you know, just stick with me. In the URL space, we had Helios, which just happened on July 22nd and 23rd. You can go back and watch the VOD online. There were so many cool people on this. I'm going to just kind of run through some interesting things and some artists I was really excited about. We had Luxury Elite under multiple project names. Dubstep producer Flux Pavilion was doing a set under their ambient project name, Fluxiverse. Plus, there was a whole host of other favorites we've talked about on the podcast, like Corrupt Save, Darien Shields, Eventual Infinity luxury noise late arcane lost traveler skeleton lipstick and then there was a set by ronan farrow where i did the visuals under the name pacific plaza circuits so shouts out to ming curry for having me and let me uh in my set a little late because of all of the podcast stuff around the time of the econ announcement and just big shouts out to ming curry in general for hosting such an epic festival so you can go watch the vod on twitch and i imagine parts of it are gonna end up on youtube in the future there was also another streaming event announced for those deep listening heads. Slashwave 2023 is going to be hosted by Global Pattern, Desert Sands Feel Warm at Night, and Vapor Memory. It's going to be streaming on August 3rd, 4th, and 5th on the Vapor Memory YouTube channel. And then don't forget Big Baby Prophet. They're back spinning vapor vinyl every Wednesday night on YouTube if you go find their channel. Shouts out to Big Baby Prophet. For IRL shows, finishing up the summer here, we have Vape Air doing his Summer Splash tour. He's still got dates on July 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. For the rest of his tour in the Midwest here, he's going to have iClick and Sound Market. And those dates are going to be in these cities here. We got June 26th in Nashville, the 27th in St. Louis, the 28th in Chicago. And then finally, they're going to end up at Midwest Aesthetics Summer Synapse Festival on July 29th in Madison, Wisconsin. And then Vape Fair is going to finish up his tour with a little hometown show at the Earl in Atlanta on July 30th. July 28th is Skeleton Lipstick's Dark Synth, Witch House, and Wave Party called Eclipse at the 700 Club in Philadelphia. It's got some vapor-adjacent vibes, but still definitely stays dark and dirty. You could check that out if you live in Philly and then the next day on july 29th in philly we have sage hardware playing with lana del rabies and trace amount at the venue vox populi on august 5th my label pacific plaza is presenting a lineup of friends and family for free out on the streets of downtown santa Ana in orange county for the monthly art walk dad girl earth boy vance and booty wizard will be playing some music alongside myself from 6 p.m to 10 p.m so come check that out we're about to post the flyers they look so dope on August sixth, the vaporwave community of Peru, yes, Peru in South America, has united to throw a show at the Pro Arts Central Cultural in Lima, Peru. The event, which is called Underground Space, is curated by Lost Traveler, Sore, and Babe Fake. It's their first event as a crew that wants to bring awareness of vaporwave and adjacent genres, as well as live shows, to people in Peru and South America it's so so sick to see people taking the initiative and going from like a little offhand basement show that i mentioned you know on a previous episode to like an official venue with a super great lineup and the lineup also includes sakura lee ufo 1982 blurred hologram mr noisy bonk and jasmine bot so make sure you go look that up on twitter and other social media and if you live South American can make your way out to Peru in early uh, August, you should do it. It's August 6th in Lima, Peru. Later in the month, we of course know Electronicon 2023 is happening at the Knockdown Center in Brooklyn, New York. It's on August 25th and 26th. Supposedly single day tickets for Saturday are incoming, uh, but I haven't really heard any details about that yet. However, there has been a slew of community events announced around the festival. Some of those events, I'm going to go through all the ones I know of so far. We got Summer Slushy Fest on Thursday night at the Meadow, which is in East Williamsburg. On Friday and Saturday, we have Afterwave, which is put together by Videopunks and Virtual 94. They're going to be hosting like unofficial late night parties in Brooklyn after both nights of the festival. If you do want to go to Afterwave, I actually might recommend going to their Friday night ones since supposedly Econ is going to end around 10 p.m. according to the Knockdown Center website. So that'd be a good day to get your party on super hard because Econ doesn't start until like 2 or 3 p.m. on Saturday. On Saturday night, there's going to be a party at Mood Ring put on by Music Website, which features a ton of artists from their lineup and their circle of New York collaborators. They're all doing DJ sets, and it's probably going to be going pretty late in the evening. New York bar time is 4 a.m., so you could still get out there to catch folks like DVI, Vape Error playing under his DJ Camgirl alias, FITESX, Null Object... Also known as groceries, and lots of other artists. They're starting at 10 p.m. and I imagine they're going till close. On Sunday, we're gonna have the Tape Swap and Chill Four, which I talked about in the last episode, and it's been moved to a bigger venue called Eris in East Williamsburg. And there's gonna be two stages with over 20 performers and vendors packing out that multi-story venue from noon until 6 p.m. And you know, full disclosure, I am involved in the event, and you'll be able to see me perform with my buddy Aglado, and you'll be able to buy merch from my label Pacific Plaza. And we're going to have an exclusive tape at our booth. That's going to be something you won't want to miss. It will be sold later uh, in the year, but this is going to be the first chance for people to get it. You're, You're not going to want to miss it. I hear there might be some things getting set up for later in the evening on Sunday, but at the moment I haven't heard any details. So I'm really looking forward to Econ and hanging out with people in New York. Please come say hi to me. Let me know what you enjoy about the podcast or just come talk some Vaporwave shop, you know. It's also not going to be cheap going across the country, bringing merch for my label. I'm going to be bringing extra microphones and gear for the podcast to do some coverage out there. Uh, So maybe I'll make some like Vaporwave News Network merch or stickers or take donations somehow. I don't know. Let me know what you want to buy if I was going to make merch of some sort. I hear tote bags are really hot right now. And finally, getting into September. In Columbus, Ohio, on September 15th, we have the debut of Nostalgia Lounge at cafe bourbon street and that's going to be put on by crystal eternal and simple syrup with special guest young shiro it's so dope to see people taking the initiative again like i said and putting on something in their own uh scene and making it happen it's so cool i hope they continue doing that monthly and i'm guessing there's going to be a lot more events in september but you know for now i'll just say send me the upcoming stuff as early as you can If you have upcoming events that you want to be featured, you could submit it on our Linktree submission forms at linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. Okay, upcoming releases. I'm only going to do one this episode. I'm really trying to condense some things and like catch back up in my schedule. But this is an album I've been anticipating all year. So I'm really going to give this one some shine. Simple Syrup released Bloom on Business Casual back on July 14th, and it was accompanied by the release show I mentioned in Columbus, Ohio. This is his second full-length album on Business Casual, although he did do a split on the label last year that did have five amazing tracks. Bloom clocks in at over 50 minutes, with 15 tracks ranging from up-tempo Vapor Breaks and Vaporwave Zero to more classic Vaporwave and late-night lo-fi-style tracks on the B-side of the album. They all utilize Simple Syrup's classic palette of 90s samples like My Boo on the track Only You, the glassy synths like you hear on the track Butterfly, and laid-back drum breaks that are found throughout the album. Fans of his previous work will recognize some familiar motifs and sound design elements, which makes this like an even more enjoyable listen for folks that have been following Simple Syrup's rise and expanding sonic and visual palette. Whether it's familiar synth textures or reoccurring samples, Simple Syrup has marked their work as distinctly their own, which is definitely solidified on this album. And I wanna give a little shout out to the short track, You Can't Stop the Rain. It's a, it's a great little nugget of sax infused late night lo-fi, and it contrasts nicely with the next song, an up romantic break beat pop banger called I'm in Love. Those two tracks next to each other are really awesome. It shows the range of sounds that Simple Syrup is capable of, and I love hearing that on this album. While it might be a bit long for a sophomore album, There are highlights throughout it, and if you're a fan of Vaporwave more than the breaks, you might actually want to start with the second half of the album. There's great stuff throughout. It's still available on cassette through Business Casual, and you can listen to it on Bandcamp and streaming services. So, some other releases and announcements of note. I'm going to stuff a lot into this section since I didn't do another review, and we're going to go hard, so get ready for all these releases. I'm very excited about this first one. It's from songwriter and producer Fake Fever. We have his sophomore album, In the Well, coming out on My Pet Flamingo September 1st. He dropped a single, Graveyard Shift, on Spotify, which you can also hear on our contemporary Vaporwave playlist. Mabicio and Majestic 12 released a Barber Beats tribute to jazz, you know, and very much leaning into the popular jazz wave tag, and it's called Velvet Notes. Modest by Default also released a new Barber Beats album called Pragmatisme, which came out on July 12th. Barber Beats producer Gore released a new album, Orno, which has a pre-order available on Doki Doki Beats, and I was listening to that one driving home the other night from a show, and there were some really interesting tracks on it. Here's a mini review. There was some slowed down like dubstep stuff that my my partner commented, it's kind of like lethargic dubstep, and there were some interesting experiments outside the typical Barber Beats sound on this album, so go check out Orno by Gore, which is also going to be released on cassette by Doki Doki Beats. Blank released the Serpent LP on Bandcamp. So if you're looking uh, for more Barber Beats, I also have one more, which is going to be Far Beyond by May Crutch, which came out on July 7th on their Bandcamp. And they also had a reissue of one of their older albums over on No Problema Tapes. The first Seaside Bliss box set featuring three shimmering Pokemon-themed ambient albums by Brick Mason was announced on July 4th. And each of the three tapes features unique artwork by Silphwave. The open pre-order begins on August 4th, which is Bandcamp Friday. Glass Remnant, a collaboration project, released their new album, Play Button Unicode, which you might see stylized as U plus 25 BB on Pause and Reflect Music. One of those tracks is also on the Contemporary Vaporwave playlist. I mentioned Bogus Collective last episode. and this episode, I have another great legacy net label who has done some of the most beautiful physicals in the scene as well. You know, before everyone jumped on the UV LED print train, we had super cool stuff coming out of Seiko Mart, and they're based in Japan, and they've been going since 2015. They're back with their first release in over six months by Future Funk producer Jazzy Ryuji. It's the sixth installment of his Future Funkadelic album series. And speaking of Bogus Collective, they've continued dropping some albums. They're always releasing cool new stuff. And some highlights that I'll mention here are the Myst Sev split album, which Pacific Plaza is going to be doing on cassette. And then there was a cool album by victory over death. That was uh, an ambient album. You could check out sunset grid, another label. I haven't mentioned. That's an awesome net label. That's been keeping the scene going and helping young and new producers. So much has a uh, bunch of releases that came out at the beginning of the month. So Sunset Grid is headed up by Blue Screen. If you haven't heard any of their music, you should go check it out. They have many tapes and albums out there. And they put out a Wave album by a producer whose name translates to The World Ended in the 80s. That was kind of my favorite of the recent things they put out if you want to go check it out. Producer KJ Valium put out a new vapor noise and ambient release called Pacific Broadcast 1 over on VA10 Records. Geometric Lullaby continued with their Artist Discovery series, releasing two very ambient albums. <laughs> One by an artist whose name is a string of numbers that I'm not going to say at all, but you can check that out. And by an artist called Ion Ion. Underwater Computing released a new album from Cleveland producer Second Sight called Teenage Bliss. It's out on cassette and mini Maggie Maggie.wave released their new album with B-sides and Lost Tracks called Rainbow Smears over on Business Casual. And I had to give this one another shout out because Maggie.Wave is a really amazing artist. And I wasn't sure we'd like ever get music from them again. So really hyped that that happened. And there are still CDs available for fans of optical media. Business Casual's June lineup is out and it includes four releases during the month. On July 7th, we had Kuek with their album Downtown. This one's a Future Funk album. We got some tracks from it on our Future Funk playlist. There's the Simple Syrup album I mentioned earlier. Then there was an album by Truman. Their self-titled album came out on July 21st. And then on July 28th, Cryptologic Sludge is releasing an album called Reconstruction of the Divine Machine over on Business Casual. Luxury Noise and Device Operator have new albums coming out on my label, Pacific Plaza, in August. They got a shared premiere of a Device Operator remix of the Luxury Noise single, Esther. And Esther is one of the lead singles off the new Luxury Noise album, which has been announced, called Forgive Yourself. And that's coming out on August 11th. Device Operator also has a new Future Funk album coming out called Kiwi Pop that's going to be dropping on my label Pacific Plaza Records. And that one will be on August 18th. Both those artists are going to be performing in New York if you're interested in seeing them live as well. Future Funk producer Barb Walters dropped a new album called Love, and its title track is on our Fresh Future Funk playlist. It's a super dope album. You really got to go check this sound out if you're a DJ. And I also put the last track, Casting, is playing at my house. What a great Vaporwave reference on our Vaporwave playlist. So, shouts out, Barb Walters. If you have upcoming releases to send us for coverage, please go to our link tree and use the upcoming release submission form. Priority is given new releases, and we typically aren't super interested in reissues. So... Send it on over, and hopefully we'll give it some coverage. This week's main topic is going to be a bit short, hopefully, and I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time on the Vaporwave history segment for this episode. But, of course, the biggest news in the Vaporwave and future funk sphere was that Spotify reactivated their editorial playlists. And while this may be irrelevant for people who mostly listen to their music on Bandcamp or Download Stuff... Spotify playlisting Vaporwave and Future Funk artists has undoubtedly had an effect on the scene and changed the way some producers operate. The wild west of vapor content on Spotify is in some ways confounding, in some ways frustrating, but almost always tricky to keep track of. The trickle of Vaporwave on Spotify began like over seven or eight years ago, and Spotify actually did their first ever themed playlist called This Is Vaporwave back in 2016. The playlist actually still exists from its originally curated form. It's got some artists on it that are still popular today. It has some removed tracks as well, but you can find things by artists like DDS, Telepath, Macross, HKE, 2014, Vapor, and hilariously, it includes Home Resonance as the opening track. And I know you can't see me right now, but I'm face palming super hard. I mean, I'm not even going to comment on Home Resonance being on the This Is Vaporwave playlist. Anyhow, People mostly found other vapor that was uploaded through like related artists, random searches, but soon people started making their own user-selected playlists that tried, and still try to catalog all of the Vaporwave that's on Spotify. You know, there's a few of these multi-thousand song playlists out there for both Vaporwave and Future Funk curated by people who've been in the scene for a long time and sometimes just kind of random users. Now we get to the editorial playlist, And the editorial playlist is a bit different, you know, this is a regularly curated and updated playlist, and it seems to have started around sometime in July 2020, according to Reddit posts I could find. And you know, this tracks with the rise of new vapor artists uploading to Spotify in a very prolific period among bigger labels who might have caught the eye of Spotify's playlist department. The Future Funk editorial playlist followed shortly and seems to have been up by August 2020. These two playlists would go on to gather hundreds of thousands of followers boosted by Spotify's algorithm and the ability to place the playlists in front of millions of listeners who might have listened to something with the appropriate genre tags. You know, those playlists contain stuff that gets tagged under more than just vaporwave and future funk. And Spotify has some really like interesting specific genre choices, including like hard vapor. Spotify still tracks hard vapor as a genre that kind of tripped me out when I found that out in my research. So currently, the Vaporwave playlist has 270,000 plus followers, and the Future Funk playlist has over 284,000 followers. Landing the playlist is a big deal for artists, some of which have seen six-figure streaming numbers on tracks and albums thanks to repeated playlisting. The curators aren't super adventurous, and as the length of the playlists have grown, many more like repeated artists and old tracks are getting added to the editorial playlist. People have told me and said publicly that you know these streaming numbers from playlists like this, they do help pay the bills and keep their projects sustainable. And it also is helpful for getting playlisted up to bigger playlists. If you're on a bunch of smaller niche playlists, that's very beneficial for you to get up onto bigger stuff and get in front of even more eyes. You know, and while that's not the case for everyone, it definitely can be a reality for any bigger artists in the scene who don't have much income for live shows. Spotify numbers do matter to some people. The QRA playlist went dormant in November of 2022. And as the year wrapped up, people were starting to wonder if this was the end of playlists and maybe like Vaporwave and Future Funk was becoming less popular. But what most people didn't know or maybe didn't make the connection, was that Spotify, along with a lot of other major tech companies, started laying off a lot of staff at the end of 2022 as their fiscal years were starting to change over, and in the beginning of 2023. So this staff layoff directly hit the playlist curation department, and people assigned to the playlist representing niche internet music like Vaporwave, Future Funk, and WebCore got laid off. So the playlist remained dormant for all of 2023. And until recently, you know, There wasn't much action. But here at Vaporwave News Network, we have the inside scoop on its death and return. And of course, funny enough, Vaporwave News Network has a part to play in the story, as do some folks behind the scene who I'm not going to be naming, but I've gotten some good information from them. And I had to do a bunch of research to kind of find out what's up and what's going on. So I hope you guys enjoy this. This is a little bit of the story of how the playlist got reactivated. I've mentioned in a few episodes that the playlist had been dead for a while. And you know, I wasn't the only one to notice. A few other people had tried to take the place of the editorial playlist, so to speak, by curating new Vapor, popular Vapor, and favorite tracks of theirs into sort of manageable length playlists that sort of followed the guidelines Spotify recommends. But, as listeners of the podcast know, I also started a playlist like that in a bid to take over the position that the editorial playlist had been doing, but with more of a focus on new and actually like contemporary Vaporwave music. You know, slightly different focus, but same overarching theme. After debuting my playlist and seeing some quick follows, which I really appreciate, thank you everyone who followed, it did catch the attention of a few different folks, including people who had a line of communication to the electronic music curatorial team at Spotify. You know, the crew that takes care of all the different electronic music genre playlists and sort of farms out the vibe mood playlist to different curators in the department who can kind of keep up on these scenes and see the submissions and stuff like that. Now, it wasn't just my playlists that were sent to the Spotify people, but a handful of playlists in various internet music subgenres that showed that there's like a thirst for discovery out there and that those scenes are alive and, you know, that there was so much thirst for this that the scenes were taking it upon themselves to make their own playlists. Back in mid-July, I heard that someone from Spotify was going to be having a meeting to consider bringing back these playlists that had died in the round of winter layoffs And as we all now know, they did choose to bring back a lot of those playlists, including both the Vaporwave and Future Funk playlists and the Webcore playlist, which actually has its own contentious history. You can read about that on the No Bells blog I've mentioned in previous episodes. And while I have like many thoughts and feelings on the selections themselves, I will say a couple things. It is funny that they wiped everything and re-added it all Because many of those selections on both playlists have been there since like before November 2022, like months before November 22, So, you know, I I wonder how the streaming numbers are for some of those songs that kind of got to be the lucky winners of a playlist death roulette. (laughs) I do know many people that are glad it came back, especially for the financial reasons I mentioned earlier. But it also does give a chance to smaller artists to get some discovery. If you do the submission process right through pitching, if you claim your Spotify for Artists profile, if you pitch six weeks in advance, you know there's a better chance that you can get seen by a curator and put on the playlist. So I do hope the curators are going to dig deeper than kind of like the corny or campy names that include you know certain phrases or imagery in the artwork to kind of trigger the vaporwave response from someone who's maybe not as hip on what's going on. But... I would also like them to stop putting like the very obvious Synthwave and Chill Synth stuff on the Vaporwave playlist. Like, I get it that those artists mark Vaporwave and Future Funk to try and get as many playlists as possible, but man, they already have playlists for Synthwave, Chill Synth, and t- so many POV vibe playlists of those natures. Like, Keep it on that. Put real Vaporwave and people who are participating in this current scene on the playlist, please. Now, obviously, I was like naively hoping out Spotify might reach out to someone like me from the scenes that they're representing with uh, these playlists to curate them. But, you know, that's not the case. And I don't know who the actual curator is, but it isn't like an insider from the scene. The playlists are too small and niche to have an individually paid person to do that. And that's very understandable. One last thing I'm going to say before wrapping up the segment is that There are like a bunch of picks on the playlist right now that are awfully familiar to me. Not to mention some picks from uh, staging playlists I have. So I have two hidden playlists that are aggregating some of the picks I want to make for my future changes. And I have no access to Spotify behind the scenes thing or pitch stuff. And I actually don't even have like a Spotify for artists or labels account. So I do have a strong feeling that the Spotify curators are looking at people in the community's playlists to make some of their picks. And with that in mind, I suggest other curators and playlist makers keep it up and keep picking great new Vaporwave to showcase our scene and genre. No shades to the classics, but the editorial playlist does seem to cover old Vaporwave pretty well. And like I said earlier, like you know, there's tons of archival playlists and massive compendiums of all possible songs on spotify so if you're looking to shuffle and go completely wild there's stuff like that too but big shouts out to people who are trying to curate contemporary playlists and keep doing it because it's going to encourage spotify to put new and interesting artists on their playlist on in the next section i'm really excited about this segment today i went really crazy and got really in depth but i probably could have gone even longer and harder Because once you find out what today's topic's about, oh boy, you are going to be taken back in time if you've been around for a while, or you might discover something really interesting if you're a newbie to this scene. For the first time, I'm actually going to talk about a piece of writing about Vaporwave that was crucial to the critical and community dialogue around the meaning and definition of Vaporwave itself. Yes, I am talking about the notorious article by Adam Harper that came out on July 12, 2012, It is the iconic article, Vaporwave, and the pop art of the virtual plaza. This article has caused lots of debate and discussion over the years, with a lot of criticism centering around its defining of Vaporwave and kind of how he arrived at those conclusions. The iconic introduction, which is still on the subreddit sidebar, reads, Global capitalism is nearly there. At the end of the world, there will only be liquid advertisement and gaseous desire sublimated from our bodies our untethered senses will endlessly ride escalators through pristine artificial environments more and less than human drugged up and drugged down catalyzed consuming and consumed by a relentlessly rich economy of sensory information valued by the pixel the virtual plaza welcomes you and you will welcome it too and a lot of those things from that intro i've definitely been cited over and over over the years And, you know, funny enough, mentioning the Vaporwave subreddit, it was actually created just a couple days before this on uh, July 7th, 2012. So, you know, mere days before the article came out. And I'm not going to summarize the article. It's quite long. It meanders down a lot of paths, but it does actually have some interesting interviews with early producers like Vectroid and Internet Club. If you want to read it, I recommend you pause the podcast and check it out. If you're familiar with the article... I'm just going to jump to some of the off counterpoints and talk about some of the conclusions of the article and kind of my opinion and perspective on some of the things it mentions. So, of course, we have one of, as I said, the most off counterpoints to the whole article, which is Vectroid commenting on some of these conclusions that Adam Harper drew over on 4chan saying, and I quote, But in strict regard to Vaporwave, I think that kind of coverage encourages people to over-intellectualize it which in turn makes the people behind it appear unjustifiably pretentious and in turn completely moronic, given the type of music we specialize in. How much context can you really give to a doctored loop of a jazz instrumental? Truly, guys, we are sample curators at best. We put into practice the art of commodifying art. New Dreams Limited was about taking music and returning it to its most primordial state, sound. And while you see a lot of people cite this quote a lot, What they don't mention is the first part of her statement, which says, I can appreciate the philosophy that the blog coverage has outlined in projects like my own and that they are meant to be a clear reflection of the human condition in this precise moment in history. But she says this, quote, but not because I'm a vapor waver. I'm just really political like that. And, you know, regardless of what artists do, they are a product of their times. And both Vectroid and Internet Club do mention things to this effect. And in my opinion, it's why you can't coin things before echo jams as vaporwave, and mid-2000s sampled electronic music isn't quite the same thing. And I will point out that the 2010s saw a rise in the discussion and critique of capitalism, but something else that was also on the rise was curator and influencer culture and marketing. At Vaporwave's genesis, we had mass political movements like Occupy Wall Street that were interrogating people's relationship to capitalism and the futures we were promised by the technologists and owners of capital. Access to technology and music that, quote, lubricated capital was the starting point of Vaporwave. But as an art movement, it was responding to, you know, the contemporary cornucopia of easily accessible and recreatable signifiers from people's own nostalgic versions of the past. They reshaped it into something new. Sometimes it's a serious work of challenging art, and sometimes it was a joke, like what Vectroid said about the New Dreams Limited release being a, quote, slightly derisive practical joke aimed at the witch house, c-punk, net music scene. She continued, quote, New Dreams Limited was essentially built to exploit how heavily the perception of sound is affected by the imagery. And I think that's still a relevant part of the current vapor we've seen today. Pairing imagery and signifiers including sonic signifiers, to change your perception of the sound or use the sound to transport you to a different place or time. A place colored by the artist's subjective nostalgia towards the technological and cultural changes experienced in various parts of the world, be it Japan, America, or the Soviet states, in the 80s and 90s, you know, as we entered the digital stage of the information age. In the Dummy Mag article, Vectory tells us she wanted to, quote, take that familiarity and recontextualize it so it was just slightly out of place, unquote. And that's something we still see informing contemporary producers making their own reinterpretations of retro and nostalgic signifiers. Some people have said that this article helped kill Vaporwave, although I'm not really sure if that conclusion has borne out. Like, yeah, the overbaked microgenre creation of destroyed that harper plays up in the part two of the article and it's got like so much hyperbole in it it does try and connect like vapor adjacent imagery and techno futurist capitalism and accelerationism to these emerging internet music movements but it you know didn't really take off much and the only error the only areas we saw this sort of destroyed style and signifiers maybe like kind of re-emerged with the sort of air stats hard vapor thing But, you know, clearly this article tries to, like, connect Vaporwave to accelerationism, which I also don't think we've really seen borne out as the genre has progressed and continued to cast a wider net around nostalgia, memory, and technological fetishes, be it retro or futuristic. I wouldn't say the genre has become more anti-capitalist, although its live scene does embrace some ideas and organizational structures from DIY left-leaning punk and underground rave culture. Many people point out the ironic thing that the vaporwave music industry is like based on selling stuff like dirty capitalists and trying to make as much money as possible, which you know some people are probably doing, but I would liken it more to like the DIY punk scenes that create their own economic ecosystem of labels, distros, suppliers, and creators of the content that support each other financially and exchange money within the community. And act as an alternative to the major label industry and the arbiters of pop art that write all these think pieces about, you know, these micro movements like Dime Square and, you know, the revivalist trends in a variety of genres from drum and bass to post punk. You know, it's an alternative to th- things that are getting covered by indie leaning publications who just kind of mirror the behavior and coverage of legacy publications, you know, the ones that have been bought out by like Venture Capital and conglomerates. Ultimately, I think this article existing and being in an an intense critical analysis is important to stimulate the discussion about the genre and kind of help define its relevancy. You know, things from this article will always be part of the polemics and the never-ending questions like, "What is vaporwave?" Not to mention questions like, "What is its relationship to capitalism?" Which you know, surely has changed over the years and varies from producer to producer. I'm sure for some people it's annoying to have to think about their relationship to capitalism when it's like just about the music, man. But You know, because of articles like this, Vaporwave will not only be defined by its current unifying characteristic, which in my opinion is nostalgia, but it's going to be defined by the way people have talked about it and intellectualized it in the past. Something prescient from the article is situating Vaporwave in the virtual plaza, defined by Harper as, quote, "...the public space that is the nexus of infinite social, cultural, and financial transactions, and the scene of the greatest activity and spectacle." And while the virtual plaza might not be a popular concept or theme in our genre anymore, I think that this space is perhaps where we can find the boundaries of the scene. You know, those boundaries aren't like hard boundaries, you know, just like a physical plaza in real life doesn't have fully impassable boundaries. People can kind of come in and out. People can come in, they can throw in their nostalgic two cents into the activity and the spectacle of the vaporwave art movement. They can come pedal their wares, create some physical media, make some exchanges financial transactions social and cultural transactions the vaporwave art movement meets at this nexus where ideas and recontextualizations and playing around with imagery and signifiers are all happening and are all being exchanged they're commenting on and manipulating these signifiers engaging with other people in the plaza processing nostalgia and the commodified symbols that they see collectively and in their own liminal spaces One thing I still think rings true from the article is that the vaporwave community is still, quote, situated within the worldview of the lo-fi underground, one in which an authentic, warm, and grassroots music-making is pitted against the top-down, cheesy, slick, and impersonal technological mainstream. And slightly modifying Harper's conclusion, some of these artists continue to, quote, underline the significance of this antagonism by caricaturing their cultural opponents, unquote. And yes, that kind of explains that duality of not everything's lo-fi and crappy in Vaporwave. Some things are hi-fi and shiny. Heck, I mean, you know, even some of the artists caricature their own peers within the scene and meme wave has been a thing uh, since the very early days. And, you know, Vaporwave is quite established. So established we can meme on ourselves and have these sort of meta Vaporwave discussions, which you even see on the subreddit. So for me, I think that's clearly a sign that the scene is certainly not dead. There's a lot to go over in this article, which could constitute a whole podcast series on what is Vaporwave, how has it changed, but at the minimum, the article is worth a read for current members of the scene and for people who are looking back observing Vaporwave from the future. I do encourage you all to check it out. I hope everyone has enjoyed this week's episode of Vaporwave News Network. As always, you can find some of the albums and music mentioned in the episode notes. If you have anything you would like to submit to the Vaporwave News Network, check out our Linktree for submission forms. We also have a Twitter and Instagram profile where we post highlight graphics with releases mentioned in each episode, as well as some short videos. I'm getting into that, too. So make sure you give us a follow and repost the content. Leave comments. Please, I'm tagging all these artists for all these different things, and I'm not seeing them reposted. Please, it helps. It's going to spread the word to other people in the scene. It's going to get it out there to more people, and more folks can discover current and contemporary Vaporwave. You can find us on social media at VW News Network or check out our link tree with all the links and submission forms at linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. If you want to get in contact with us, you can also do it through our email, Vaporwave News Network at gmail.com. This podcast is sponsored by Pacific Plaza Records. But if you're a reputable label looking to advertise or sponsor the show, please get in contact. I would love that. I've been your host, Alex, a.k.a. Trucks Passing Trucks. If you want to find me or my label on social media, you can look up Pacific Plaza Rec. That's Pacific Plaza R-E-C on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I also have an Instagram page for my music and DJing shenanigans over at Trucks Passing Trucks. That's all one word. I'm playing in downtown Santa Ana on August 5th, and I'll be DJing in New York over Electronic On Weekend. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you tune in to future episodes of Vaporwave News Network. From our part of the vapor world, This is Alex, signing off until next time.